0: Welcome
1: to The Delling Pod with me, James Dellingpole. And I know I always say I'm excited about this week's special guest. But before I introduce him, a quick word on behalf of our sponsor. This is Monetary Metals. I've had the CEO, Keith Weiner, on the podcast a couple of times to talk about his extraordinary product, where you get to own physical gold and you get paid interest on it in the form of more physical gold gold it sounds too good b- to be true but it isn't it i mean i think everyone should own physical gold in in some form whether in the form of a bullion or, or or coins stored at home or in a vault or at monetary metals uh it pays you two to five percent interest annually or even more if you are an accredited investor you could get you could get even double digit yields it's hundred percent physical, and it's a hundred percent yours. Your metal. You're in control. If you if you if you don't like it, you can get out at any time. I know Keith Weiner. I I trust him. It's a very good way of opting out of fiat currency and taking control of your money. So if you want to get on your own personal gold standard today, visit monetary-metals.com forward slash Dellingpole and you can open an account or, or all your questions will be answered. Monetary metals. Bob, Bob Moran. I know I do always say this, but sometimes you know how I love all my children, but you do love some of your children more than others or on any given day. And I have to say, I'm so excited to have you on the podcast, really.
0: I. this is a great day for me, James. Um, and you know, here we are doing it at last. There's been an awful lot of foreplay, hasn't there, over the last few years? There's
1: been so much plor so much foreplay, and it was the way I rationalised it. I thought you're kind of the perfect guest, and we're gonna we're gonna because you can talk, and we can we're on the same page, which is always a, a good start. And I thought, well, don't do them this week because you're try and get somebody more difficult. Try and and then I thought <laughs> we're gonna do our. A live show, a live show first, and because I've always got Bob on reserve. But actually, what ended up happening was that I never got you on, and it was just like this massive lacuna in my in my guest list that you should have been there ages ago. Anyway, here we are at last.
0: I think you first asked me in about September twenty twenty, and at that point, I, I mean, I wasn't as well known as I am now. Also, I'd never done an interview before. And I, I was, and still am, a huge, huge fan of the Dellingpod. Um, and I thought I can't do this as my first one. I need to get some practice in uh, first. I've probably oh. had a bit too much practice of anything.
1: Well, I, I remember vividly the day we met because it was on, it was on yeah, one of the I, marches. I'm
0: surprised, I'm surprised you remember.
1: What Because I was stoned off my face at the time yeah yeah well that was that was not my fault in my defense. what had happened I went to quite a few of those 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 i I'm, not, I'm still not sure what we were marching for, just sort of freedom generally, I mean against the vaccines and against this and that and against lockdowns
0: yeah. it made sense at the time um it
1: was it was it was very beautiful, and there was a great coming together of people and um I I look back with tremendous fondness to that period where we all got along and all, you know, races, colors and creeds and all that. And we were all united. It was, it was great. But like, so I went to one of those marches and I was going through the gate um, of, of Hyde park. um, And somebody said, Oh, James, mate, have some of this. And he passed me his, jazz woodbine and i thought well what harm can it do before a march so i had a couple of puffs i think it must have been neat or something um it was it was very strong anyway and i spent the rest of the the march in a in a haze but you were there you were floating through that haze at me and it I was, was a, to added to field. my it enhanced
0: and your dear sister was uh, on the other side making sure you didn't trip off the curb at any point
1: my lovely sister, who is the nicest of all the De- Delling Poles. You know, we've, we've all been, it's like a kind of team of, actually, you know what, did you ever play Dungeons and Dragons?
0: No, I didn't. But I know about you it. Probably you probably know. didn't.
1: No, you, you're not that sad. Okay. So when you're playing I, Dungeons and Dragons, I, I, I... People who did. Oh, did you? Hmm. Uh, were, were they satirical?
0: No, I just um, I was good at drawing all the armored monsters and wizards and that stuff. So um, I made some friends that way, but I never actually wanted to play the game.
1: Well, when when you are creating characters, you get these different dice with with weird numbers of sides, like like um, sorry, dice uh, with with different numbers of sides, like like a twenty side or a nineteen side or something like that, and you and you you throw these 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 dice. And 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 these create the traits of your characters, the strengths and the weaknesses. And whatever, whatever, whoever's rolling the dice when Helen came along, my sister, it was like, yeah, let's make her really nice and loving, and you should be the nice Dellingpole. And I'm kind of, I think <laughs> I'm the spiky Dellingpole. Um, yeah, you know, I've probably got other qualities as well, but but yeah, um,
0: yeah. But Helen Helen mm. is so lovely and so gentle, and yet. There's, there's absolutely nothing naive about her, you know. You can't you can't fool her, which is quite rare. It's rare to have those two qualities.
1: It's odd, given that she, of 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 the three original poles, that that's the the ones from my father's first marriage. I mean, I've got lots yeah. of siblings, half siblings, and whatever's steps. I love them very much. Um, so I'm not, I'm not sort of trying to rule them out. But the original poles are a dick. Helen and myself Um, and um, Helen was the first down the rabbit hole by by years and she and she she was in the in the unfortunate position that you and I find ourselves in now where on on encountering normies there are just whole areas of discussion that are off limits and what it must have been like for Helen well I know what it's like because she's told me it was miserable coming when she came to stay with me uh she couldn't talk about the the most interesting stuff she had to pretend that it was you know so she she had to ignore all the chemtrails in the skies and the,
0: <laughs> yeah all I her favorite she must be also relieved that you have gone all the way with it you know because we all know people who went a few steps down the line and then stopped um I imagine she she must have been worried, you know, or now James has started on this path. I hope I hope he doesn't. This is the whole the whole thing we're dealing with at the moment is so many people still want to cling to this and that from their old lives. They want to believe that certain foundation stones are still there that they can cling to. It's very rare to encounter other people who have done the thing we all must do, yeah. which is essentially I'm, I'm, dismiss I'm all of it, leave behind, neat. you know.
1: I, I'm sensing a segue opportunity there, which I, I'm not going to take for just a second. But but you're absolutely right that there are. I mean, I agree with um, as I say often do with Miri Mary Finch, who says we're not a movement. We're all individuals, and we're not going to agree on on, on everything because we're we're spiky and difficult, and the things that made us awake are the things that also stop us becoming part of this sort of unified movement. And it's ludicrous to expect us to all think the same thing. That said, it has been very disappointing to me, as it has been to you, I know, watching people who totally... Or th- in fact, that links back to what I was saying about those marches. I'm nostalgic for them because we were all on the, having the same trip, more or less. Uh, yep. we We were all on the same page. we agreed that we, we 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 knew who the enemy was. they were the government and they were the, the the rulers of the darkness of this world and then we started you know man down here and there and the first cause of man down was the ukraine russia yeah where people were persuaded that that we had an interest in sending materiel and money and possibly even manpower to go and die in this pointless war, which had been orchestrated by NATO. And and yet we were being browbeaten by our newspapers into thinking was, was somehow caused by Putla. Um and, and some people fell for
0: that, but, but, well, the, but put, the most, yeah, put, the most, Putin was ru- to, um, sorry, Putin was trying to destroy democracy. That was the, uh, the democracy of Ukraine, the beautiful um, free country. And all these people that we were on the marches with, so many of them who had just watched their government dismantle democracy completely in their own country, now bought into the idea that their politicians wanted to go and defend it somewhere else. Uh, And and this idea has carried through uh, and it's still it's still very much a problem in the current situation, as I'm sure we'll get on to. But I just couldn't understand that. I could, You know, these people, as I uh, know you agree with this, could not have been more blatant in stating their position and saying, look, we're not who you thought we were. We don't care about the things you think we care about. We're not concerned um, with, you know, the, you know, we don't go to war for the reasons we've told you. And I thought everyone got that and was then moving on with that new reality. Uh, but all it took was for them to hold up Putin and they all forgot immediately.
1: It was, it was so, so weird that people who had got really comfortable with the idea that the government will not only lie to you, but it will actually, it will actively participate in your demise. I mean, it will actually use drugs deliberately to kill people in care homes In order to a bump off a few people, but b to inflate the 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 mortality figures for your fake pandemic. So people people were used to that, and they were used to the idea that the media, funded by this government, would 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 um, would act in 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 cahoots with the government in in promoting this lie. So the government lies, the media lies. And yet people would suddenly go, yeah, they lied to us about COVID. They lied to us about vaccines. They lied to about, But they wouldn't lie to us about foreign policy. That, they're yeah. absolutely just, you know, Nothing scouts on them.
0: You know, I took the view that this, what began in 2020 was so all-encompassing and so extreme and so undeniably evil that we have to um, totally dismiss <clears throat> all of these people say so, you know <clears throat> these people are against us we cannot believe what they say anymore so, not just the politicians but journalists and media personalities who who push this stuff and now you often see this line from people on our side where you know somebody says something about the current thing that they agree with and they'll say oh well i i didn't agree with him on this but he's got he's got this one right i'm going to listen to him or i'm going to promote this uh this article he's written, and I think we can't fall into that trap. You know, we know that these people have have absolutely no moral integrity whatsoever. So even if they happen to get something right, I don't I, I don't think you should continue to promote them. That's my view. That's
1: that's true. Even to the point, actually, maybe we'll talk about this later on. But. um, Yeah. I was thinking. Sorry, I was thinking about. I was thinking about about Peter Hitchens. Actually, I'll just I'll just make this point very briefly. Yeah, yeah. So you well, know, Peter Hitchens is right on some issues and wrong on others. You know, mm. he he was he was right. He was rightly skeptical about lockdowns, and then he kind of shit the bed in the view of of us awake people by by talking about how very reluctantly. He'd, he'd taken the vaccine, so he'd gone holiday, and, and, and it had to be done, and nothing he'd do, and it wasn't his fault. And I, yeah. so people were divided, yeah, um, but he's, but, he, but he was one of the first people to criticise lockdowns. No, no, that makes it worse, Peter, that makes it worse, that, you, that you, you were aware of what's going on, and yet you still succumbed, and by succumbing, you let us down, because what you were saying was, the game is over the game is up, there's no point resisting anymore, they've won. Which is, yeah, which is not, a good, not a good way to fight a battle, is it?
0: No, but it's sort of been his modus operandi for a long time, where he, he really um, highlights a cause, often very early on, and maybe writes a book or two about it, and writes several articles and reaches a certain point and, and just says, oh, looks, we've we've lost, um, you know, forget it. And it, it's, <laughs> uh, Once he'd written the article I, I, about I taking the um, ago. Once he'd done the article about taking the jabs, he spent months and months going on about e-scooters and nothing else. Um, but it's interesting, you, you know, I said uh, I said about how I've been watching The Delling Pod for a long time. I, I'm pretty sure. So I stumbled across you by accident, James. Um, and I, I know you won't mind me saying this because it's one of the catchphrases, but I wasn't really familiar with your stuff. I hadn't really read anything. <laughs> You written, and I was aware of you though obviously uh, I was li- I, I have a terrible mm. feeling it might have been trigonometry or something uh, this this is back in 2019, this would be before any of the nonsense started, and you know how you're watching podcasts and something else will come on automatically afterwards. you know, so i I was here drawing a cartoon, I think, and you suddenly hear this uh, no on brightboard. James Dellingpole. And I thought, oh, yeah, James Dellingpole. Um, I'll, I'll leave this on. And I'm pretty sure it was one of your early Peter Hitchens pods that you did. And I think you must have been talking about the whole Brexit situation and everything. Um, and I thought, oh, these guys, these guys are really good, actually. And this Dellingpole character... I, I just had a feeling it was very strange I had a feeling that I should keep listening to you you know I had this sense that somehow you'd be quite important um, in my life I suppose I had the same feeling about Peter Hitchens but it that didn't work out in quite the same way
1: it's I think he's a very interesting character um, if one wanted to be conspiracy minded which hmm. which I am <laughs> One could point out that he came from a military a military background. Um, you know, his father was in the was in the military. Um, yeah. Now, obviously, that generation were the wartime generation. They, they they bred. So 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 one could make that accusation against any any child of of the wartime generation. But at the same time, it is possibly a, possibly a, a, an indicator. I wonder sometimes whether the two Hitchens brothers. Are were change agents um, because it seems to me that g- given that we given what we now know about the media and how it operates, we know that the media is a lie machine. Yeah, we know that it is there to push false narratives or to manipulate people. Yeah, and if you are a, basically the name columnist on the Mail on Sunday, which is the, the Mail group, obviously is is a key part of the lie machine. It sort of mm. manipulates the sort of lower middle and middle middle classes, particularly uh, plays on their fears, ramp ramps up the hysteria. So you've got this this designated supposed resistant to the system that he questions it. You know, he he, he questions. He's currently questioning, for example, the need for a war with Putin. And he was skeptical of, about Ukraine generally. And, and he's he, he's he's pretty good. But he'll only go so far, so he, he he corrals people into a particular position, people who might be, yes, asking questions about the war, yeah. but then he'll just leave them leave them hanging. he won't he won't like he did with the, with with the vaccines he'll he'll raise yeah. objections and then he'll capitulate. Yeah.
0: i I know what you mean. He sort of sets people off on on these um on these journeys of uh, opposition. But the other thing that happens is if they escalate their position too far he starts to get irritated with them he he always seems to have a clear cut off point in his mind in advance where you know if well if you start if you start saying things like this or if you start questioning this element then um i i'm, I'm going to turn around and have a go at you as well which always surprises people i think uh, i don't know i mean we've both worked for big newspapers and you're never completely free and there's always a point where somebody will say, oh, you know, I'll read as a board of this now, move on to something else, or, or you know, I wouldn't go that far. Um, But uh, who knows? I mean, what what do you think about the the rivalry between uh, – this is quite interesting. Do you you think the rivalry was genuine between the Hitchens brothers? Or I sometimes wonder if they're sort of the intellectual equivalent of the Gallagher brothers.
1: Well, I mean, even if it was – put on initially to a sort of establish a a a, a difference between them i think it quick quick that they, they quickly if even if 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 they were putting on um fancy dress outfits pretty soon yeah. those clown outfits became their actual persona so yeah. um yeah. they you know i i it's it's very hard to know where the play acting and manipulation begins and where where it becomes sincere very mm. interesting that point you made just then about what it's like being a journalist and being steered in particular directions. You, um, you and I both had the had the experience of working within the mainstream media and spending a lot of our time not really getting it, not really getting that we were part of a lie machine. Because yeah. I never felt—I mean, I was doing it for. A, About 25 years, I think I was, you know, I started out on the Telegraph, well, started out on the Evening Standard and worked in the Telegraph at at Canary Wharf for for a few years and freelance for the mail and, and, and so forth. And I don't ever recall a period in all that time when I thought, hang on a second, this industry is evil and it lies and it's not there to inform the public. It's there to frighten them and to control them it, it yeah. never did it to you
0: no not at all and you know it um it's hard it's hard to get into right i mean it's a difficult thing to make it and as as any kind of journalist and end up working for a major publication and you feel um you feel very fortunate and you feel like uh you're part of something important And The interesting thing is that once you're there, once you're in a newspaper and you're in a newsroom and um, people are putting tomorrow's paper together, you just take it for granted that the news is what all these people are telling you the news is on that day. You don't think about where are they getting the news from, um, what conversations are going on at the top about well, this is what we want you to tell people the news is but of course that's not really the news or um even though and you probably know this there will always be conversations and and gossip about uh oh well we know you know we found out for example or we found out next week Labour are going to do this um but the Tories don't want the public to know so we're not going to say anything about it like that there was always things like that so you you do kind of know that the news is not the news that that newspapers don't just print everything they know about what's happening each day but you kind of assume that's all right because um it's strategic or they want to keep things interesting or they're worried that it might be a slow news week next week or whatever you know you can always excuse these things but i see it in a completely different light now
1: well i i think one needs to view the newspapers as a branch of the intelligence services. They're essentially yep. a branch of the, they're the propaganda arm of the deep state. And I think it's, it's very hard for most people in the industry to get this. So people at, at the grunt level as well, well, I mean, okay, you so you were a leading cartoonist, but I, I, and I was a sort of, you know, a name columnist, but there's a level above us that remains a mystery to me. Um, th-
0: yeah.
1: I did, actually, I did actually once see, um, I, won't, I won't name him or his particular role. I did once see a, uh, a specialist editor from The Telegraph. Yes. Getting his briefing from, I'm sure it was MI5, MI6. About uh, um, One, one or can... the other.
0: Yeah, I think and and,
1: and and, 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 and he, he sort of rather embarrassedly introduced me to this this person who looked at me like he knew me but like he wasn't particularly delighted to have been introduced on that occasion because it was all awkward. Um but see when I was I was at the telegraph when Max Hastings was editor mm-hmm. and I there were these things called conference did you do presumably yeah. they still had conference every day Yeah, are conference so, in the and did, and did you did you get the vibe i mean the, the impression i got was that ideas were floated around for for features and what and what should be our lead story this week and what our angle was but it but it always felt like an organic thing and an honest thing not a not, not a conspiracy against the readers but a, a desire to Provide an interesting, informed newspaper for the next day.
0: Yeah, I think that's the key word. Interesting. It was always—it always appeared to be about what. What do our audience want to read about? What will they find interesting? What are they bored of? Uh, and, yeah. and then, of course, the other thing that happens in conference is you have um, uh, Christopher House would read out all the letters people had sent in. And that would be a very sort of significant point where it's, oh, here's what our readers are saying today. And that would always steer what was going to go in the paper, what features they were going to do and things. Um, but you kind of think, well, where do these letters come from? I mean, anyone could write a letter.
1: Yes. These
0: people writing letters saying, oh, I absolutely agree with what Boris Johnson's doing this week? and You know, Um, That seems an odd way to conduct your your reporting of the news to me now. And also,
1: has it occurred to you that Christopher House is a Jesuit?
0: Yes, that that has crossed my mind.
1: Beardy Beardy House, who's who's he's the sort of person that in Victorian times, urchins in the streets would have shouted Royal Beaver. (laughs) <laughs> apparently, that's what they used to do with people, people with particularly spectacular beards. Royal Beaver, um, and, and he's he's a charming, charming, civilized, erudite, he's apparently very Christian, charming,
0: yeah. very man. charming man, very gentle, very always very very kind to me. Um, very gentle. kind, of eclectic knowledge base, interested in quirky, you know, architectural features and things. But when he first joined Twitter, all he did was um, take photographs of old drain covers. Um,
1: exactly
0: the kind of thing he's into supposedly
1: i'm gonna make a pun there what a perfect cover.
0: cover suppose you were i mean
1: isn't it like like eccentric bloke with 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 a beard christian traditionalist and yet this is the guy the gently softly spoken man who comes into editorial conference and essentially steers the newspaper's Editorial line by these using these reader letters, provenance unknown. I mean, he could have written them himself, or they could have been commissioned by by sort of junior assistants at 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 Vauxhall, you know, MI five Vauxhall HQ. You just don't know, do you?
0: Well, it was always clear that these were the letters he had picked out to read in conference. You never knew how many other letters there were that hadn't been selected. Um,
1: probably the ones from real people
0: (laughs) yeah but there would always be there would very often be things would come up in those conferences what you know somebody would ask a question and there would be a slight awkwardness of well we don't know yet or i'll talk to you about that afterwards or um you know a shake of the head or uh, there would always be things that certain people weren't allowed to know. I was not, even even though, you know, I was the sort of main cartoonist, there's stuff I wasn't allowed to know. Um, I would be told, oh, there's a big, big story breaking later that's going to be on the front page. I'd say, well, yeah, tell me what it is so I can do a cartoon about it. And they'd sometimes say, no, we're not telling anyone. Um, you can't know, which would be a real pain in the ass. <laughs> But there were were always things like that. (laughs) Having to
1: draw a cartoon on something which you didn't know what it was. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Tell Matt, which would really piss me off. Matt would be allowed to know, but I wouldn't because I was, you know, one rung beneath him in the pecking order. Yeah.
1: Matt was a great power. Even when I was there, Matt was a great power. Um, Yeah.
0: He he is. He, uh, he's a great power. but I don't. You know, I I I I do really like Matt. He's always been lovely to me.
1: I don't think um, Matt's evil. I think Matt's. I, I I like Matt. He's just he's just somebody who's who's naturally very funny and and good at encapsulating things in a pocket cartoon. He
0: is. He is, and he's one. He's he's very humble and slightly embarrassed of his success, which is always nice. Yes, or
1: exactly, it's the appropriate response to enormous success. Now, yes. now you. You did you before you got unceremoniously ousted on the most ridiculous of pretexts. Yeah. Was it you were you chucked out in the end because of that doctor that fake doctor well I not think she's fake doctor, if she's doctor of something that doesn't make me trust her expertise in, any, in anything. That she's, woman yes. on Twitter.
0: The alleged doctor, yes. Uh technically. What is she doctor?
1: Harry I, Potter studies or what?
0: In the uh, yeah. She's meant to be a palliative care doctor. Um,
1: oh, so she, so what, she, is, she She gives people...
0: Yeah, they, they always tell you, James, don't they? They always spell it out for you. Anyway, um, she's one of those people who I'd seen on Twitter for the whole time and everything she said was awful and horrible and made me very cross, but I didn't, I never bothered engaging, it's always... Probably a better idea not to engage and had a bad day, um, feeling particularly cross and upset. And I saw this tweet she'd done about somebody being mean to her for wearing a mask. So I responded to it. And then, you know, Twitter exploded and there was a big pile on. um, Not.
1: You well, wouldn't actually, know about Twitter pilots.
0: What I've gone through in the last week, it was kind of um, the same thing.
1: We, we're going to get to that. We're going to get to the money shot. Don't you worry, Bob.
0: <laughs> anyway, so so you know, I was suspended, and technically, that's what I lost my job for. But it was so um, technically not so not a sackable offence. It was it was uh, there, you know ridiculous to to be fired for that. That I understood um, it was more because of my overall position and the fact that I was refusing to budge on the jab stuff um and I'd had several warnings about what I was posting on social media and the way I was uh criticizing the injections and I think they knew I wasn't going to play ball and they knew the relationship was going to become more and more strained I I knew that too and uh I suppose in a way I gave them an opportunity and the thing is as soon as I although it was frightening it's very it, it's not ideal to um lose your job that you're meant to have for the rest of your life when you're 35 and you've got three small children and a mortgage to pay but as soon as it started as soon as I kind of was called in for the hearing and um and the reality dawned on me I I did have a sense of, you know, this is probably meant to be. This this feels like uh, a higher power is saying to me, it's time for you yeah, to... Yeah,
1: I, th- I was wondering whether you were going to mention that. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, uh, that was, I suppose, I'd been, I'd been tentatively circling God up until that point, um, considering whether I... I might want to, um, get him involved in my life again. Uh, but that whole episode really, um, changed my perspective, I think on, on all of that. Uh, and of course, once I left my, once I was fired, the first thing I did was come and see you at your event. Um, when, when Lawrence was there and, uh, that, again, was, you know, suddenly surrounded by all these supportive, like-minded people. And I just thought, you know, you know I think it will be okay. And um, I think I'm going to be able to keep going um, and embrace this this freedom, this complete um, independence, you know. And I felt obliged to use it. It is. uh Yeah.
1: I was just going to interject it is weird yeah. um when god does his moving in mysterious ways thing and 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 it and it feels traumatic at the time when it happens and then you go wait this was meant to be this was a kind of giant finger pointing down from heaven and going yes this is what i want you to do this is my plan for you and you go yeah, yeah I mean, I i've it.
0: never i it's always been a bit of a mystery to me why i have the skills that I have and why I'm interested in, in doing cartoons and things. I don't know where it came from. And I, uh, I I knew I loved it from an early age. And I knew I wanted to do it. I found out about working for a newspaper, I assumed that's what I'm supposed to do. That's what I'm here for to work for a newspaper and do political cartoons, till I drop off my stool at 85. Uh, you know, that's my path. And then as soon as all of this started, while I was still at the paper, I I realized I I think it's more to do with the fact that this was always going to happen in my lifetime. And I had something to say about it, that I would be able to do something. I'm not pretending it's a big thing, um, but not just the fact that I was a cartoonist, but the kind of cartoons uh, and the visual imagery I tend to create and the stuff that I'm interested in just lent itself to everything that was happening. Um, So I did get this sense of, okay, this is what you're supposed to be doing. Forget the whole newspaper thing. That that was just a a starting point for you. Uh, You're you're meant to do something quite different, you know.
1: Well, isn't that interesting? Because I was going to ask you, are you and I the only ones from from our kind of from that particular world I'm trying to think am I missing somebody out I don't think there is anybody else is
0: there Uh, mainstream journalists you mean who yeah no I can't who've burned their bridges I can't think of anyone who who was as mainstream as we were who's now that's what I mean as as awake and conspiratorial as the two of us have become
1: yes right. so that so that leads me to the question yeah are these people all cowards are they have they been blinded by the system because after all we were part of that system for a long time without being aware of its flaws to any great degree is it about are they frightened of losing their their work are they are they stuck inside? Is it sort of the self censorship which comes from being inside the Overton window and being in a business where you self censorship is is the strongest censorship or what? How does it work?
0: I mean, I, I I don't know. I'm still I'm still baffled by some of the people I used to work with and how they. It's not that they supported it even. It's the people who didn't say anything at all. It's the people who just looked at it and said, "I think I'll sit this one out because uh, it all looks a bit fraught." And um, not actually, in my you know, wheelhouse. I'm not going. Yeah, not in my wheelhouse. Exactly. Those people. And uh, yeah, it, I. I know from conversations I had with some of them that they totally agreed with me. They could see absolutely that it was insane and immoral and disgusting. Um, and there were people saying, we're going to have to we're going to have to oust Boris Johnson. It's going to get to the point where the Telegraph has to has to have a leader article saying he, he's he got to go. That, that Those conversations were happening. Um, and then, like you say, they just. They just they get so far and go, oh, this this is a bit frightening. I don't really like this. I'll just take a few steps back and pretend none of this happened. Um, It is frightening. I mean, we should we should say uh, we should admit that it's not an easy thing to do to look back at your life and your career and and think well you know most of that was probably bullshit I mean I you know for my show I had to go back through all my cartoons and I was looking at stuff I was doing six seven years ago for the telegraph and there were so many I looked at and just thought that was nonsense that was nonsense you know that wasn't true that was probably a load of rubbish and that's not that's a hard thing people don't want to have to do that um they don't want to admit that their whole career may have been a lie, and that, that, um, but it's fine. Yes. You can do it. It's okay. You can get past it. You know, uh, everything is worth some.
1: Uh, I you give me a horrible flashback to the days when I was furious with these people who didn't want to go to war uh, in the Gulf yeah. because clearly we had a Casus Belli because these. These weapons of mass destruction had been found, and I mean, yeah. it made sense. We had to bring peace to the world through through violence. I mean, it made absolute sense, and I and I could have written any number of impassioned leader page leader page articles on this subject, and I believed
0: it. Yeah, and it's also partly, you know, just. Just if you buy into the left right divide, you associate all sorts of things, you know, probably war being one of them with being on the right, with being a conservative voter. And so you just it's an automatic thing. It's a knee jerk response to anything that comes along. You know, um, I'm James Stellingpole. I'm a Tory. So I think this is okay. And again, as soon as you abandon that and you go, there is no left right divide. That's absolute nonsense. It's complete psyop you are actually able to think clearly about situations and um you know not not just go i'm i think of myself as conservative therefore i support x and what they're doing to their neighbors or whoever it may be
1: before you got chucked out of the telegraph yeah you i think you were there just long enough to see how rotten the situation was with COVID and the media sorry COVID and the media
0: yes uh so I, I see? mean we have to we, we have to um there's a man I won't name him because he doesn't deserve to be named but he he doesn't like either of us and uh he he and some other people um so sort of, they tried to make out that I was somehow deeply involved in the running of the Telegraph throughout twenty twenty, and I was party to all kinds of meetings and uh, and steered this way or that on a particular day. Now the truth is, I wasn't. I wasn't working in the office. I hadn't worked in the office since uh, twenty eighteen. I'm. I worked from up here in my attic, in the middle of nowhere in Somerset, and I'd have. One phone conversation with a junior editor in the morning uh, where I would talk about what I was going to do and then have another very brief conversation after I'd filed to say, yep, got it. OK, speak to you tomorrow. That That's it. But um, occasionally I would hear gossip and I'd hear stories and I'd hear what was going on, because remember, I. I wasn't seen as dangerous. Nobody appeared to have a problem with anything I was doing until late 2020. They were all very much behind me and the readers loved it and um, they were really supportive. And, and so they would say, oh, yeah, you know, um, you're so right. And I remember Tim Stanley once saying to me, um, you know, he's again, a lovely guy, Tim Stanley, who said oh, one morning he said, I see you've gone full David Icke on masks. And I said and I got a bit upset. I said, well, what, what do you mean? Because I think I'd done a thread about how awful masks were and why, they, you know, they were going to destroy society and all of this. And, and he said, no, 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 no. It's great. I'm not criticizing you. It's wonderful. Um, we would all say that stuff if we thought we could. And I thought, OK, that's interesting. You know, I said, why can't mm. you say this stuff? Oh, and he said, well, we're not. Ironically, uh, he said, well, we're not cartoonists, so we can't get away with it um but anyway <laughs> um yeah there was there were conversations there was a, there was a point where um there had been these meetings at downing street now i already knew they were happening i i hadn't really understood that they were meant to be a secret from the public but there were several of these where all the fleet street editors were invited to downing street for private briefings from the scientific advisors, Whitty and Valance, with the Prime Minister about, you know, uh, again, it's odd when you think about it. Like they they was, The idea was, oh, we're, re- we're going to tell you how bad it really is. You know, the, the stuff we don't want the public to know. You think that's a bizarre thing to do in a deadly pandemic. Anyway, um, I heard about what there was one set of these meetings that happened just before the lockdown in Christmas 2020, um, you know, when all the hyperbole was going around, the NHS is going to collapse and the second wave is going to kill millions and everything like that. Um, the Telegraph editor had been, I don't know what happened there, but, uh, Fraser Nelson had been as well. So this story was about what happened when Fraser Nelson went to this briefing. And, um, and he went in and Whitty and Valence are there with with their sort of flip chart and they show him the models and they tell him half a million are going to die in the second wave. And we've got to lock down and we have to cancel Christmas and we're going to have to keep doing lockdowns until the jab arrives. And uh, or while uh, obviously the jab had, had arrived at that point. So, we, well, we can't release anyone um, until everyone's been jabbed and all of this stuff um, then. And, and Boris Johnson says nothing. He's just uh, behind his desk. And um, they then leave. And Fraser, obviously, because Fraser Nelson has quite a close relationship with Boris Johnson, you know, they've worked together, they know each other well, he stayed and apparently basically said to him, what the hell was that? You know that that was all complete nonsense. You know, no country on earth had half a million deaths in the first wave. I mean, obviously, this is buying into the nonsense that there was a pandemic, but for argument's sake, uh, and, and he says, w- you can't keep doing this. You can't call yourself a Conservative Prime Minister and keep locking the country down. Um, you know, what are you doing? And he apparently Boris Johnson looked at him like a, a broken man, white as a sheet, and just said, I have to do what they tell me. Now, I think, uh, first of all, that's very interesting in the light of the COVID inquiry stuff where we're all told that the the scientists were just following orders from politicians. I mean, who who knows? Really, I don't care about that much anymore. It's probably a double bluff. Uh, They probably thought it was a strategic thing. They always knew there'd be an inquiry or whatever. What I found extraordinary, though, was that this was newsroom gossip and that Fraser Nelson, who claims to be a great award-winning journalist, did not think that he should tell the public that the country was not being run by the prime minister having heard it straight from the prime minister's mouth
1: no indeed on the contrary carried on pushing a line in the spectator which which was essentially the government's line barring light criticism of lockdowns
0: yeah exactly eventually um but then you know which the is other weird. side they But they needed money they didn't have any money the newspaper they made sure uh, that the, the all newspapers, not just in this country but pretty much everywhere, were absolutely on their knees financially, and the only revenue they had really was advertising. Most of that advertising was from travel. obviously that disappeared. so the government said, we will give you millions and millions of pounds if you fill your pages with our propaganda about lockdowns and about masks and about the nhs app and then getting the jabs um and they they couldn't say no oh well, they could say no and they should have said no but they didn't
1: i just get this vibe that most people are really basic really corruptible that i mean yeah. you know, the, the, if, if if you subscribe as i do to the, to the notion that the devil is you know the devil is the god of this world yeah, And people say, oh, I wonder what wiles he has to adopt in order to, to bend people to his will. And yeah. actually, all Not he many. needs to do is get out a bag with <laughs> pound notes on the side or swag and just that, that's it. It's that simple.
0: Well, that was the horrifying thing, wasn't it? How quickly most people fell how quickly most people you'd known all of your life suddenly started saying things that you knew they didn't believe in, you knew they didn't agree with. Um, I don't don't know, I I sometimes wonder if uh, it's all very well talking about behavioural science and propaganda, I get that that stuff's powerful, Uh, all the things that have been seeded the way the system had been established and the technology was there. But there was a sense you know, and this is, the, I suppose, the beginning of my kind of spiritual reawakening what, at the beginning that there was just this sense that something really powerful, something beyond man-made stuff was at work in just turning people, turning people's consciousness off and inverting their morality, sometimes overnight uh and, and like a lot of people you know you feel the evil first but you recognize it as a real force and you think well <sighs> there must be an opposite There, there has to be an opposite yeah well we're done for yes
1: it's funny i was you're not the first person to describe that experience and and i've i it was it was my experience too so i started i started googling Um, to see whether there were any, you know, whether St. Augustine had made this point, or whether some some leading figure in the church had had described that one of the ways to God is 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 the perception that the devil is real, therefore that God is real. But I couldn't find one. But but I think I think that for a lot of awake people, that has been the experience that they go through the stage where they go, blimey, the world is run by by paedophile satanists and and they actually do sacrifice children to the devil i mean regardless of whether the devil exists or not they do sacrifice children to the devil and they do harvest their adrenochrome and they do and 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 they do all these things and they kill people and they assassinate presidents and they and they fake moon landings and they and they lie to us about everything and nothing that we the the illusion that we have any manner of say over our future is 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 a nonsense, it's just the left, or right and just so you go through all this and you think we are just totally buggered. This is awful. I mean I may as well just spend the rest of my days in a pit of despair. Yep. And then you go to the stage where you go, hang on a second Maybe that maybe this is all as haven't I read about this before? Hang on isn't this in like the last book of the Bible that people have mentioned to me, you know, yeah. uh the mark of the beast we used to joke about at school you know neighbor of the beast 667 whatever it is um, and the and then it then it all starts to click doesn't it
0: it does click and it's the um it's the only place in well for me that it was the only place that that you arrive at where you you don't have any more yes but why yes but why yes but why questions when you're trying to figure out look what the hell is going on what are these people actually trying to do what's their motivation Um, now and and I think a lot of people will go down so far and they feel quite satisfied um, and you know it's money and it's control and it's even depopulation they say well they want to they want to depopulate the world but there is an idea that it's it's a bit like the uh, you know the Thanos argument. Um for those who don't know who Thanos is, he's the he's the guy in the in the Marvel comics, uh who's a kind of supervillain, um a giant purple man with a, a chin like a wrinkly scrotum. And uh Thanos' whole thing is that he's he's decided that there's too much life in the universe and um his destiny is to acquire these um, magic stones, uh, which will enable him to reduce all life in the known universe by 50%. And he thinks this will save everybody. It will save all life on all planets and all of that. And the thing that makes Thanos an interesting villain is he's genuinely convinced that this is a real problem and he's the only person who can do something about it. Uh, and he's conflicted you know he doesn't enjoy the fact that he's got to do it but he thinks he has to um and and that's obviously makes him a, a relatively interesting villain and i think there are a lot of people who feel he's the like same about it they think yeah like david attenborough yeah let's let's say david attenborough is the thanos because our... he,
1: he he cares <laughs> but he but he, care, he he wants to kill us all in a caring way that's to save right yeah and
0: he's also got a wrinkly chin um they yeah. they think people think, well, these figures like like Bill Gates or Klaus Schwab, and, and they they know that they're killing everybody. You know, they know that these injections, are, uh, the injections are poisonous and, and millions of people are going to die. But they're genuinely convinced that if they don't do this, it's all over and humanity will be ruined and everything. and and, uh, and they're making a bit of money along the way. And they're trying to implement this system of total control so they can make sure it doesn't get out of hand again. That's um that's as far as most people want to go. And I suspect I was there for maybe six months. Um you think, yeah, I can see this, and then but but you're still left with ah, but hang on. Why is there is there so much ritual involved in what they're doing? Why while they're while they're doing this at the same time, um are, are they playing around with our ideas of gender that why are they trying to destroy the family why have they got a war on christianity why are they inverting all of our most important moral structures and principles um it doesn't add up if this is purely a practical thing where they just need to get rid of some people and start again um the other stuff doesn't make any sense it only makes sense when you understand that they these are not Practical people they aren't dealing with a solution they believe uh, with a problem they believe to be real with a practical solution they believe in something they really, really believe that they are engaged in some kind of spiritual battle once you plug in the idea that these people are trying to um destroy the divine spark that exists in all people that they are attempting to sever our link with God. Um, because they think if they can destroy God's creation, uh, us in that way, um, they win this age-old battle. You know that's what I think is going on here. I think the killing, the killing of billions of people, is just for the sake of killing billions of people. Um, it's a ritualistic sacrifice. It's what they do all the time. It's the only way that makes sense to me. And uh, also, I think you know. Although it's overwhelming, um, if you understand that what we're all doing here is playing a key role in an ancient battle between good and evil, you don't really worry about what the meaning of life is anymore. Because who needs more meaning than that, really?
1: It yeah, it does. Um, it does add add a bit of sparkle, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. I mean, it's like. Yeah, I, I I found that 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 my my life feels so much more meaningful since like like you I was in journalism but not really knowing what I was there for other than getting a really well paid column that was my that was that, that was that was what I was aiming for I think I was I, I kept thinking one day the day is going to come when nice Lord Rothermere or somebody is going to yeah. say James we think it's about time you had the million pound a year column. The the me yeah. column where you can talk about what you want to, and 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 you'll be able to live like a like a banker the rest of your life and say what you like. Yeah. <laughs> a A it wouldn't have worked like that. I mean, the, but the, essentially they own your soul when they when when they you, you've got to you've got to ride their hobby horses, not your own hobby horses. Exactly. But it's B, misspelled. okay, there,
0: yeah,
1: yeah, but B B B they. They they it's almost like they know. I I think the reason I never rose up the system as high as I wanted to rise was because the baddies just knew. They knew already. They, they knew before I did that I did not have the makings of a of a of a servant of evil. I don't know how they saw it. I mean, whether it's my relentless piss taking, my sort of puckish spirit, my reluctance to kind of obey orders to drown kittens
0: yeah i think that i mean i think there are probably subtle little um instances where uh somebody is probably taking note of how you respond and what you agree to and what you won't agree to um it's get they all look they all acknowledge it's a game you know i was told several times look you got to learn to play the game they don't they don't hide that everyone admits that um you know, you play along and then you get uh, you get promoted and you win some awards and everyone's happy with you. And, uh, you know, is that, oh, we, we might put your cartoon on the front page sometimes. And but it's all a game. And. Uh, if you ever if you ever stray outside the rules of the game, they really come down hard on you. Um, and then obviously that means there are certain things you aren't allowed to know and you. Um, yeah you you won't get told i mean i who knows how many people you, this is the thing about um we, we're in this system where i have no doubt at all that right at the top there are a, a, a group of people you know we can speculate about who they are and but i think there there is a group of people at the top who absolutely know um the truth about everything who have made this plan who believe that they're on they're on the side of evil that evil is going to win and that's why they're doing all of this but below that point as you go down there will be a lot of people who are like Thanos like I was just describing who are either just too stupid or um too idealist or whatever to to understand and see it for what it is and um they are just playing a game they can be manipulated uh they they want money and control. Sure, um, the people at the top rely on that to make it all happen. But uh, there's there's just no doubt this this is a plan. You have to recognise that this is a plan. Somebody made this plan. It's one of the most ingenious plans ever devised, and um, we're only at the beginning. Still, it's only beginning to unfold
1: the good, the good thing is that no plan survives contact with the enemy and we're, we're the enemy in this case yeah. so i'm i'm sure that we have frustrated it at points already i'm sure i'm sure they're not where they wanted to be now
0: well the plan that their plan uh, this is another thing i think you must believe their plan is destined to fail and their plan is part of an even higher plan which will ultimately see them lose we have to believe that don't we I do believe that
1: well Um, it is written
0: we have to endure an awful lot of crap first
1: yeah I'm not looking forward to that bit no
0: Um, but but you know I, I I think it's not I also think it's quite important that people understand that none of this means that we're supposed to just um twiddle our thumbs and wait uh that isn't part of the plan you know and i have i I know this this some christians do take this view that well okay um if it's end times and if um if it's revelation or whatever and god god's going to come and sort all this out i don't need to get involved i don't need to do anything that's I think really missing the point. Uh, you you have to always engage. If you know you can do something to oppose wickedness, you you have to do it. You can't just sit it out. You can't just wait to be rescued. Um, I think t- I think Tolkien. Well, in my this, do you, can we talk about Tolkien for a minute? Because.
1: So we should talk about we should talk about talking tell me about talking
0: well you know the eagles in lord of the rings so you know there's this there's this thing that everyone likes to joke about with the lord of the rings of well obviously they could have just given the ring to an eagle and, and he could have flown straight to mount doom and dropped it in um and then people say well yeah you know he couldn't have done that because then the story can't happen and you know you don't have a Book and all the wonderful messages that are interwoven there, um, but I, I don't see that at all with the eagles. I think it's quite obvious that the eagles are a metaphor. I mean, it's pretty clear, wing big winged creatures, that they're a metaphor for the forces of heaven, um, who very deliberately do not get involved in things until a certain point. You know, they occasionally help help Gandalf get off the tower and things like that, but um they... I thought it was a moth. They stay out of it. Or the moth is a sort of messenger for the eagles, isn't it, I think? Right. Um Like a mini angel. The moth is a cherub. Um, so then... But then what happens? They, right at the end of the story, it's only when the people uh the men and the elves and the dwarves have set their differences aside and are prepared to die and have really no hope of victory um and they stand in front of the black gate and just say we'll just take whatever comes out and we'll just make one last stand uh that's when the eagles show up that's when the eagles obviously think okay now you're worth saving i think it's a really interesting idea that if help is coming, we do have to do something to demonstrate that we're worth. We're worth it. Do you understand what I mean?
1: Do you want me to? Do you want me to depress you, Bob? Okay, go on. Really depress you. Um, the, you're aware that the eagle is hmm. an Illuminati symbol know, yes. of it, of so power, that. which is yeah. why the double headed eagles on the on, on the dollar bill and it recurs through, I mean, it's a, it's a Masonic symbol. You, you, you yeah. uh, I've, I've got a rather worryingly a a, 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 chandelier with, with double eagles heads on it. I don't know where that came yeah. from. Um, I, yeah. That, and, and <laughs> this is, this is an even more depressing thing. Yeah. Tolkien is required reading for um, acolytes of, of the various satanic orders. Um, and it is the 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 lord of the rings is a key part of 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 their you know it's it's like it's like their bible and i'm gonna send you an essay because listen i only discovered this the other day i only discovered this the other day um somebody i love tolkien but that's the problem i mean you know one does love one is drawn to things which are Maybe bad for you I, although i didn't know it was bad for me at the time, so the same with c s Lewis yeah so I, I mean this is this is for a separate podcast we're, we're, we're possibly with somebody who's looked into it i'm just I'm just, just since you you brought it up, I thought i'd mention it, so somebody contacted me via my my website, and he he sent me this essay which had been written by a former you know, somebody who was involved in the New Age and in in Luciferianism and stuff, in the occult. Yeah. And this guy had had converted to Christianity and he said, "Uh uh-uh. He said, I've read C.S. Lewis and I've read Tolkien and you have no idea how riddled with occult symbolism that they are. And, you know, all that talk about mere Christianity on, on, on C.S. Lewis's part. He is actually, if you read it carefully, you can see that he is inserting these ideas which are not Christian. Okay. I'll leave it there because I think this is, this is, this is a, for a separate co- conversation. But the, the point I was going to make earlier on to you um, was, um, I think I agree with you up to a point um, about, mm-hmm. you know, that our job as Christians is not to be, is not to be passive. But I yeah. think that I don't know about you, but I think God has sort of pretty much deline- delineated what my role is going to be. He hasn't said, James, I really need you to perfect your explosive skills so you can go running. You can go blowing up 5G towers no, uh, no. or James
0: yeah. Yeah, I want you storming
1: pro- those barricades.
0: That's a very important point. And it's also probably why my talking, th- talking thing was a bit um, clumsy, because what i what i think is also really important and part of the test is that we uh go through all of this and we witness all of this evil and we we must manage to fight it and oppose it without becoming violent ourselves and i know that you know that i've struggled with that at various points you know there have been times when you you just think oh i wish you know someone would just uh, do, do do this person in, or you know, just just take them out. Wouldn't wouldn't that be great? Um, or, but we can't. It's you know it, I think do as it soon as Psalm it, thirty-seven. Psalm th- Which one is the, Psalm thirty-seven?
1: There's a line in in Psalm the key key thing where it says, um, "Leave off from wrath, let go displeasure, fret yeah. not thyself, else thou shalt be moved to do evil."
0: Yes. Yeah, exactly. It's all there. If this is a battle for our souls, we can't go there. It's I think it's no. absolutely what they're hoping for. Um so it's a balance, you know, don't do nothing but don't start trying to blow people up either. Exactly.
1: I was thinking, Bob, because both you and I like a roly. Should yeah. we should we have a, a, I, I'm going to go and make a rollie and have a, and make up a cup of tea and come and, and and we'll 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 smoke it together here, um, which is, which would make me very unpopular because I'm sitting in the guest bedroom at the moment and we we never I smoke in the house. But
0: I, I can't smoke up here. I'll get into trouble.
1: Oh, okay. Well, I well, okay. I won't do it either. Should we, should we should we should we let should we go out and have one and then
0: yeah yeah and, yeah. The,
1: and then we can do that we can do the 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 uh, the the, the, the thing. We,
0: yeah. Okay yeah we'll deal with the topic to or well, we don't have
1: to we, we don't right. have to interrupt we can always I, I'm just I, I associate you with companionly roll ups normally I Normally, I don't normally smoke in
0: no normally I'd make one for you but we're a little bit too far away for that yeah But um,
1: so should we just go for five minutes and, and, and then, yeah. then we'll come back and we'll do the we'll talk about the Netanyahu thing hi it's me again just popping up briefly wearing my sponsors hat another of our sponsors one of our most loyal sponsors nutrahealth365.com was desperate to get onto the Bob Moran podcast and being an obliging fellow i said yes they wanted to talk particularly about their immunex365 product which is vitamin vitamin d3 with added quercetin and K2, which helped the absorption of the vitamin D3, which, as you know, I mean, of course you know, is really important for your immune system health. If you want a, a well functioning immune system, you take Immune X365. I take it. Look at me. I'm in the pink of health. I haven't had COVID. Even if even if COVID existed, I wouldn't have had COVID because I'm taking ImmuneX365.com. I'll, ImmuneX365. I'll put the details below this podcast so you can buy some. It's great. So how how is your fag break?
0: It was, it was good. Yeah, it was. Um, I'm trying to I'm trying to cut down a bit because it's got a bit out of control. I'm having. I've been smoking a bit too much. Oh, you know um,
1: I'm sorry to have been instrumental in, my in show. your
0: it got a bit um
1: breaking your your cigarette fast.
0: It's too much too much smoking of cigarettes, you know, and um outside pubs deliberating over lines and cartoons and things like that. Um but you know I, I've I've got a lot of time for the for the cigarette yeah. rabbit hole. I do I do think that um probably tobacco, pure organic tobacco, is quite beneficial in a lot of ways. Uh, It's just hard to get hold of.
1: And and jolly expensive if you're used to paying duty-free prices. You you never get whatever it's (laughs) called, that Indian... What is it called, the the organic tobacco?
0: Um... I know what you mean. My Whatever it is anyway. I was going to it. You can grow it yourself. It's legal to grow tobacco yourself. Um, and my brother's been sure. growing properly organic Apparently. tobacco, um, which is great. It's really nice, but it's not... You can't um, make it rollable for cigarettes, so you have to smoke it through a pipe. And I, I don't know if I'm ready like for talking. that. Well, yeah, exactly like Tolkien. Perhaps you should avoid it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: Well, I don't know. Um, I, I wanted to tell you a funny story, which occurred to me as I was smoking. So this is this is a measure of 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 how far I've changed. But everything about my life has changed. So a few years ago, I had this really, really, really bad experience where our financial advisor was a crook, and he took us for all we had, and we lost pretty much everything. And in my, the dark years that follows, because these, th- these things linger with you for a very long time. Yeah. And some days I, w- I would be so despairing that I would go outside in the middle of the day for a cigarette. Um, we're talking one cigarette, Mark You, And yeah. as I I smoked this cigarette, I could sort of feel the, you know, the cancer danger that, 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 that I, I was courting, you know, I, I was kind of, yeah. seeking oblivion through the and now i have my midday fag and i do it with i mean i i i, I smoke two cigarettes a day normally in a in the course of a normal day two cigarettes yeah. and and now I, I i do it with joy because i don't buy into the cigarettes will give you cancer psyop i think it is just it's part of the calm they they don't want us to smoke because because smokers are clubbable. They talk. I mean, the, 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 I think that the reason I wanted to have a cigarette, which I don't normally, is because talking to you triggered that that thing that that I'm having a chat with a mate, and what would really go with it? Oh, I know, a nice cigarette.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I, I, again, you have to acknowledge the fact that um, the people doing this to us uh, clearly don't mind people getting cancer in that they've just um, ensured that about half the world are probably going to get some form of cancer in the next 10 years. So it doesn't really add up that if if, um, smoking cigarettes is the main cause of cancer, they'd be desperate to stop people from doing it.
1: That is is a very good logical (laughs) inference. Yeah, yeah. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I think we should talk about the furore that that greeted your most recent card. I mean, you've been on very strong form. I mean, I I love the one of the of the of the Roman baths. Um, (laughs) That was fantastic. where Where you sort of you took out a few of your hate figures both major and 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 quite obscure that was satisfying yep. but it was as nothing yep. to your tell me tell me the story about your your troublesome cartoon
0: yeah it's been um been an interesting week um i it's interesting you mentioned the bloodbath one because um i think that was very important for me uh because i wanted to really sum up the whole thing as I saw it in one image and you know I thought how can I do that and actually we um I was I was trying to figure out you know a way of doing that and I took my children to Bath to see a a play and we walked past the Roman baths in Bath and it just struck me I thought that that would be a good idea let's put them all in a, a Roman baths type place but you know it's all blood and they're bathing in the blood of innocence and I can just fill it with all the Favorite characters, and obviously, it's an excuse to have a lot of nudity, which um, which I enjoy, uh, and I can do now. Um, but I'm I'm sort of conscious now that what I'm doing is producing a, a series of images that are kind of um, designed to be seen as a progressing narrative, if you like. I'm not sure if if i hadn't have done the bloodbath one uh before christmas i may not have done my most recent one um i i felt like it was quite a good follow on in the context of that bloodbath one um not that it doesn't work in isolation but uh it's it, you know again if people if people were to bother to go back and look at all of the work I've produced over the last few years, obviously it gives a different context to things I'm doing now. Um, So yes, this most recent cartoon. uh, Now I don't want to, I don't want to do too much explaining of the cartoon itself because, um, well, it's supposed to, to, to speak uh, on its own and stand alone. And also there are plenty of people online who've explained it quite well and pointed out what I'm trying to do with it. Uh, but I suppose the first thing to say is not everyone got it, obviously. And that um, did not surprise me. So the the reaction it got in terms of the Ferrari, as you say, the, the criticism and anger was entirely anticipated on my part. Uh, probably truer to say it was actually intended on my part. Um, and in many ways, the reaction to that cartoon sort of provided the punchline. The punchline might not be the right word because it's not really a funny one, but it certainly underlined the point I was making with it. Um, I This might surprise people, but as a cartoonist, I'm very interested in irony, James um I tend to seek out irony and then show it to people uh in 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 the visual the best visual way I can think of um and hypocrisy. And you know, I think um the cognitive dissonance we're seeing now and that's leading to all this nonsense is precisely because people have lost the ability to recognize irony and hypocrisy. Uh, so that cartoon is um steeped in irony There's several layers of it and then what happened was after i put it out um quite helpfully lots of people piled on extra layers of irony on top um you know for example one of the things that the cartoon is um questioning and one of the things everyone has been talking about is this idea of legality you know um what's what's permissible what's allowed um what laws are being broken here or not broken what special laws might apply to this group of people that wouldn't apply to others for example um it, and it wasn't lost on me the fact that uh <laughs> that lots of individuals started to um ask well to point out, well, you know, according to the law, um, this cartoon, you're not allowed to draw this cartoon, you know, and they started phoning the police and things like that. Um, So they, 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 uh, the the cartoon was showing something that's um, clearly ought to be illegal to do, uh, that they all agreed with. And their response to it was to report me to the police, because they were suddenly very concerned about what the law said about what what sort of drawings someone might be allowed to do um it's been really it's been really fascinating and uh yeah i th- i think um you know that this situation that we've been looking at that's been occurring has been very much to do with something absolutely inexcusable happening that can never be justified w- whatever you think may have happened Back in October, or who you think did it, or how disgusting it was—it's pretty clear to me. A lot like the lockdown argument, that nothing justifies this reaction. This this can never be okay. But all that's happened is people shout a word at anyone who's trying to highlight this or criticise what's going on. And uh, I, I thought, well, let's really make these people own their position, and let's do something that will make them all shout this word um and obviously uh yeah one one of the things that I, I think a lot of people perhaps feel like they've caught me out which is also interesting um when they they say well look you've invoked this trope this uh this awful visual trope as if somehow i'd have i'd have got this far without knowing um what these historic visual tropes are and how they've been used uh, again is very very intentional um because another irony that i found fascinating was what what happens when you've got a visual trope that uh been used historically to persecute people and is obviously wrong and um Importantly, was commissioned by a state who had an agenda and used as propaganda. And this trope was supposed to represent an entire people and say all of these people are um, horrible, monstrous uh, child killers, uh, which is obviously absurd and awful and wrong. And then you think, well, imagine if what would happen if somebody um, claiming to represent those people, claiming to, you know, and, and arguably the most powerful representative of those people in the world, what would happen if somebody like that embodied that trope and actually started doing the thing that the trope suggested about those people? Surely... The response to that would be for everyone who thought that trope was awful and disgusting, which it was, would be absolutely outraged and say, you can't do this. You have become the very image that we have been um, fighting against for all these years. And it's disgusting and you can't do it. And we're all really offended um, people within this group of people and without. But that's not what we saw happening what actually happened was when they see the trope manifest in real life an actual person an individual they say oh this is okay because he's a part of that group um yes you know it's not it's not a generic you know and i haven't drawn a generic character i've drawn a real man who is doing real things is acting in the world um and it's very interesting to me that that it's so upside down that that is the response it gets
1: well indeed I, I but historically cartoonists have not been known for um for things like satire and and making extreme shocking points which 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 yeah. take the viewer aback have they
0: no, not at all. No, I'm definitely the first cartoonist to ever do that. Yeah. Um, huh. Well, a lot of people. Because I was to thinking, from... actually, it's very interesting y- as well. You were and describing again, how, how that another another layer, Sorry, another just... layer of the um, the irony, of course, is that an awful lot of the people who have a problem with me now and have a problem with this image. Uh, were the the first to come out whenever there was any problem with a muhammad cartoon you know were the first to come out and say this is awful we cartoonists sebastians of free speech we cannot um we cannot start having rules about what cartoonists are allowed to draw no cartoonist should ever be be forbidden from criticizing a religion like this um and uh that they are the ones who reported me to the police for it, which is, you know, again, interesting. Um, the idea as well, I, very. I think it's very odd, this notion that you can have um, visual tropes so that you, you might invoke a visual trope as an artist, particularly as a satirical artist and not be, not, not be actually using that trope, to say what it was originally meant to say, but to point out an irony and make a satirical point if if you if we 're going to say no that that 's not possible, no artist can ever do that it 's a pretty sad state of affairs it's it's quite restrictive for satire i think
1: i was I was going to say um that you were talking about your cartoons being a sequence you know the the bath scene and now this one and i was thinking yeah. this is like the rakes progress or, or Gin lane it's it tells a story
0: yeah it tells a story and obviously if you um it, things are very complicated now because some people have just joined the story um some people are, are on for example there are a lot of people who who think understand that cartoon and um think it's fine uh, and have interpreted it correctly who wouldn't necessarily agree with anything else i've said they might have bought into all of the lockdowns and the masks and the COVID nonsense and they they're not um viewing the world in the same way that i do uh and it gets it starts to get very complicated but the thing is i'm I'm totally free agent now James I've got myself into a position where I don't work for anybody and nobody can tell me what I can draw or what I can't draw I can't tell you the number of times over the years when I've submitted ideas to editors who've said ah this is a bit too clever what you're doing here people won't get it now it used to really frustrate me um I'm not going to dumb down my stuff for fear that some people won't be advanced in their thinking enough to actually understand it. Um, I say what I want to say in the way that I want to say it. And, uh, and that's what I've done. Um, I think a lot of people are probably annoyed that uh, they, they can't get me fired from anything or um, because that's already happened. You know, I've already been, cancelled and and cancelled and cancelled again deaded. yeah um, yeah and, and it comes back to the to thing tell me, tell me about you know um being a lone wolf if you like uh, somebody said this to me right at the beginning well the problem with freedom fighters is they always think of themselves as lone wolves and they don't want to band together and actually you know form organizations and things but i i always had a sense um You know from from around the time i was going to lose my job that i have to stay as independent as i possibly can be now i've got to i've got to just be responsible for me and what i do and not have anybody else influencing me and not feel responsible for anyone else Um, and you know that's that's what i do i sit up here and i have my ideas and i draw them and i put them out you know there are people people saying who published this who pub? we have to boycott the publisher and then and no one's published it i i do my work and i put it out that's the way it works now um it's interesting because we're in we're in this completely new world where somebody like me can still retain a huge audience and millions of people can see what i do and it's not published anywhere apart from my platforms
1: yeah you you mentioned this in your excellent stage show, which I enjoyed very much. But am I right in thinking that there is some organisation which which pays you just to you can, you can they, they enable you to be able to put out your your your, your cartoons into the world? Yeah. And is that how it works?
0: It was working like that um, for a year for for twenty twenty two. Um, I was employed by the Democracy Fund in Canada, who just um, paid me uh, a small salary to produce three cartoons a week. And the deal was that I had to make them free to any publisher in the world to download and use without charge, which I was very happy about and happy to do. And lots of them did use them. Um, and the agreement was always that If i didn't need their money anymore because they're a charity uh, we'd we'd stop the arrangement so at the end of that year i said look i think i i think i can go it alone now you know thanks very much and we we parted ways very amicably so now then but actually there was no editorial control there whatsoever my brief was just produce three cartoons a week on on you know um human rights and the collapse of democracy and yeah basically everything I've been drawing anyway um I never had any phone calls or emails or anything it was just uh you know I just produced the work and they were they were happy with it um now the only change really is I'm not I'm free to cover anything at all and um I can decide when I put stuff out. So I don't have the pressure of having to do three a week. It means I can do stuff like the Bloodbath one and the spiritual war one, which maybe take two or three weeks to produce, which is really good. I mean, I never thought I'd be able to do that. I can actually um, create completely different pieces of art that you'd never be able to do if you were still working for a publication and having to produce stuff in six hours, no matter how good you are, there's stuff you just can't do you know in that time
1: um i i mean I'm, i i that that's really happy making i mean again it's 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 proof that that you can make these decisions that huge decision that you took essentially to to you know engineer your departure from the telegraph and take a huge leap and it turns out to be the best thing T- tell me um, briefly, because I've 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 got annoy, I've got to do another another podcast thing quite shortly. So I'd, I otherwise, I'd be. But we'll, 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 what we'll do is we'll have another chat. You know, not okay. far hence, because yeah. we, we can just wrap for hours. Um, but tell me about the experience of. I mean, how much grief have you been given? What, what what's it been like?
0: Uh, I mean, it, it, it's funny in a way because. Lots of the people who know me and and um, care about me and agree with what I did have been sending me messages saying, you know, are, are you okay? You're all right? I'm thinking about you and things. Which it's very thank you, by the way, to everyone who's who's done that. And uh, I'm I'm fine. I've been fine. I mean, it's been quite a normal week for me. I've just been going on as normal and checking in now and again to see what's happening online. Um, most of this stuff it just happens on social media uh and obviously there's a the the way these things always work is immediately in the first 24 hours you just get blanket attack and outrage and um you know it felt as, as though the whole world was talking about me and my cartoon and um i i obviously you know, took the decision to sit it out and get on with things and because I, I, my bit's done, my comment's been made, you know. Um, but then sort of after 24 hours has passed, the the other side then picks up on it and um, you get a lot more support and you get a lot of people saying, hang on, you, you know, this is obviously what he's saying with this. You've missed the point and um, it's been interesting. But Oh i mean obviously there there are a lot of characters who were meant to be on our side and were supposed to understand everything that really took against it and um have very and they very much led the charge against me and trying to make the rest of the world aware that this has happened It's always the interesting thing people find a, a picture really really disgusting and they're the ones who ensure that the whole world sees it and shares it around everywhere. Um, But most of those people I already knew didn't get it. And really those are the people I was aiming it at. Um, And they, like I say, they made the point for me in the way that they responded. Um, Nobody argued. This was another fascinating thing. All the people who had a problem with it, nobody argued with the reality I was depicting in terms of, what was going on so no nobody was sort of saying well it's it's really offensive because no children are dying there you know they because that's not what they think they do think that and they agree with it and they really are standing by that position um they're their response was just to say you're not allowed to have a problem with this you're not allowed to criticize it you're certainly not allowed to criticize it in any kind of um satirical ironic clever layered way uh i just i think we can't we cannot keep playing this ridiculous label game I mean, and I don't want to I don't want to get into the whole what is anti-Semitism thing It's so so boring and ridiculous. But I think in general, we are in a world where people are either given labels or give themselves various labels all the time. Um, I'm I'm trans, so I can do this. Or I can promote this idea or I can make these demands or I'm a doctor, so I can do these things and I can tell you these things. And and, and immediately people say, well, you can't criticize this person uh, because you're criticizing their label. And this label means they have special privileges and you're you're not able to engage with them in, in a in an honest way. Um you can't debate them you can't criticize anything they say I just I won't do that if if somebody promotes disgusting ideas or makes ridiculous demands or does horrific things I don't care what you call yourself you're fair game I will criticize you and I'm I'm fed up with this idea that certain people ha- have certain labels and they can do whatever the hell they like. We've got to get past that.
1: Yeah. How? Uh, before we go, how? Mm. Um. It, it's it's got it's gone, uh, mega, hasn't it? It's gone. It's, I mean, how 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 big how big has it gone? The cartoon.
0: Um. Well, it's hard to gauge because it goes across all the different channels and everything, and. uh, it's I think it's about three and a half million people have seen it on um Twitter now. Um I mean I've gained a lot of followers, so that's that's one thing. Oh well done. Um <laughs> Uh yeah, I <laughs> I don't know, I mean it's um I'm very pleased with how that cartoon has gone down and that cartoon did exactly what i wanted it to do and i think it's proved the point that i was trying to make um i'm not going to withdraw it i'm not going to apologize for it uh, you know i i stand by it and um i hope that more people might look at it again and think a bit harder about what i'm trying to do with it Um, And, you know, anyone who knows me, who has ever met me, I think understands that my problem is not with any group of people or any race or any creed. Um, I am on the side of ordinary people who want to live freely, get on with their lives all over the world. I've spent the last three years doing everything I possibly can to oppose tyranny and persecution and enslavement and democide and genocide. I put everything on the line. I nearly lost my career. I nearly lost my house. I've had threats. I've had, you know, I've, I've staked a lot on this fight. My problem is with heads of state. That's why there are three heads of state in that image. My problem is with powerful people who are seeking to oppress the decent, ordinary people of the world. That is my purpose. That's my fight. Um, yeah, it's pretty obvious if you look through my work.
1: Bob, I've, I've so totally enjoyed this. Is, this hasn't disappointed. I hope you've enjoyed it as much as I have. Um, I've really tell us it. where oh, we'll have a rematch. Tell me, t- tell us where we can find your stuff.
0: Um, so, all my stuff's on my website, which is bobmoran.co.uk, and then I'm on Twitter at Bob's bobscartoons. Um, I am on Instagram as well. I think I, I think I'm Bob Moran underscore artist on Instagram, and um, <coughs> you can come and see my show again um i am going to do my show again uh in march but we are not we're not releasing details yet about where it's happening but there will be details at some point
1: highly recommended if anyone's tempted really good it's great you do actual you you do a rolf harris if that's not a rude (laughs) you actually draw on stage
0: I do a Rolf Harris and there was a lot minute decision to actually reference the fact that I do a Rolf Harris uh in the show. Yeah, it's a proper show. It's it's not an exhibition, it's not a talk. It's a it's a proper stage show with um live drawing and a band and music and a big screen and and everything so.
1: It's great. I've got to go, but um thank you Bob Moran. That's been brilliant. Um if you want to support me and I really appreciate it if you do. Um and you get early access to my to my podcasts and and you get um you know access to my archive of writing i mean actually my writings some people say it's better than my podcasts because so, that's what i've been doing for longer uh but either way if you want to support me support the cause i uh, my sub, my um my substack is probably the place to go substack or locals uh you can buy me a coffee go to my website uk and do i encourage you to support my sponsors i mean i think um monetary metals for example is a is a is a really good product i don't advertise rubbish i think that the, the 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 companies i i do often offer they often recommend ways out of this mess we're in whether it's financial solutions or health solutions so do please support them and help yourself at the same time and help me and thank you very much for your support and thank you again bob
0: Thanks. I'm, I'm pleased the Delling Bob finally happened.
1: The Delling Bob. And and the live show will happen. It, it totally will. Because we we you know we, we make sweet music together, Bob. We do. <inaudible> <speaking>